Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart. Dance like David danced. Anybody gonna dance? Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart. Shout like David shout. I will shout, shout, shout like David shout. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, we get into the word. You would help us. It's the entrance of your word that brings light and life. And I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ would shine bright in here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word, these your people would see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, I ask that you let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You're my strength and redeemer in every glad and happy heart. Say amen. In the first lesson, we talked about your need to have consecration, and I gave you really steps to do that you needed to um, be praying every day, reading your Bible every day, having a time uh, to fast and pray and, and to seek God, to communicate your faith. Those are things that we should be um, uh, trying to be disciplined about. And, and, and if you haven't been disciplined over the last couple uh, of weeks, I don't want you to feel condemned, but I do want you to know that you need to upgrade. How do you upgrade? Tonight I'm going to teach you a little bit of how to upgrade that, um, but also I want you to get you an accountability partner. Um, we don't like the term accountability partner when we're grown somehow. We just kind of live our lives independently as, as Americans. Uh, American accountability is not a, an American concept. Um, it, it, it is in theory, but not in practice. So I'm just encouraging you to get an accountability partner, and you need to tell another person what it is that you've decided to do with the Lord so that they can be in agreement with prayer with you, not police you. They're not your police. They're not your, your overseer. They're just your, your friend and your accountability partner. Um, the other thing with impartation, remember with impartation, this is something that comes from the Lord. I'm not talking about the things that you are born with that you develop, like your talents or your special abilities or that which God gives you through your genetic code. I'm talking about something far beyond that. I'm talking about something that God uh, puts upon you by spirit. I'll be dealing with that all day. But to have something from God put upon you um, is one thing. Remember, just like Eli uh, saw the anointing, he had to pick the anointing up, but then he had to put it to use, and then he did twice as much. We're kind of picking the story up from that, that part. So if you've been a consecrated vessel set apart for holy and noble use, if you've received an impartation or an anointing um, or a smearing or a commissioning or a supernatural ability from God, what do you do with it first? Let's first verify that you've received it. It's the first thing we want to do. Because you do receive things, but some things are counterfeit. Or some things are initiated from another place. I don't want to get into the deep story of my father, but he was a very spiritual 
a man, uh, my natural father, who I did not have high relationship with. I only heard stories about him. I only saw him four or five times in all of my lifetime. But what, what I'm known is he's very famous in Detroit, Michigan, for being a minister, walking in, work, working in the gifts, and people seeing miracles and breakthroughs and all that kind of stuff. But at some point in his life, no matter uh, what he was doing, he departed from the faith and got into the occult and started be doing things in the name of something else other than Jesus Christ. And I'm not telling you that he ceased to have power. I'm just telling you it didn't come from the place that I'm asking you to get your power from. So you need to check your power source. Now, sometimes through the mercy of God and the benevolence of God and things I don't fully understand with God, he lets crooked people see or experience his power. You just go figure. Saul, to me, was jacked up brother, but he was anointed and appointed by God, and he, and he was used, you know, his power. Balaam is confusing, but the Bible clearly says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. I can't do nothing about that, you know. But I also know that the Bible says that there be many that come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, we, we prophesied in your name. We did many works in your name, but he said, I didn't know you. So I, I'm, I'm just telling you that, that don't try to say I'm anointed and then there's no need for consecration and deep intimacy and relationship with God or lordship, for God, lordship with God or to maintain a healthy relationship with God or to make sure you hadn't accidentally entered into something counterfeit because God might honor his word with a person. But like Paul said, after I preach to others, I myself don't want to become a castaway. Now, there's deep tension about um, some of the depths of these things about what you can gain or what you can lose. But in the context here, I just want you to know that not all power is authenticated or, or com coming, coming from God, but yet there is power. You have to figure out, are you working in soul power? Are you working in your earthly power? Are you working in demonic power? Are you giving place to the devil? You can really give him, you can really give the devil a place. You can fall into partnership with him. You can do uh, mighty things. Remember the people that Moses uh, was with. He he threw down a uh, rod. They threw down a rod and have snakes, but but then God showed that His power is stronger. It it ate it ate up those uh, snakes. Okay, so you want to understand that that that's there. So. If we want to make sure that we are in touch with what God wants, you should not try to work or access your gifting or your calling independent of the leading of the Holy Spirit. I know that it's easy to do it. It's easy for me to do it. I can, I can, I, maybe I can do this without praying and without submitting to God. And I got enough residue of my gift and enough confidence and, and there's enough God's word going through it. But it's a horrible practice. And at some point, everything might shut down. Okay? So I want you to, I want you as we get into the, this term I'm calling participation, and I'll get to the scripture key that I want to go off of. I want to show you some elements that should be there. I'm going to just, before I get to scripture, I'm going to give you some things. Whenever Moses did mighty things, the Bible said it was the spirit of the Lord upon him. It wasn't him. It was the spirit of the Lord upon him. Too often the gift and the gift giver is eliminated from the equation of what's being done or imparted. I, as a young minister, 
have been blessed to see through my hands or through my life, God work in miraculous ways to see blind eyes open, the dead raised. The, yeah, I've, I've been a part of all those things. And, and I can tell you something that you can get prideful. You can get feeling powerful. You can get, especially when I was young, you know, I was, I was, when service was over, there was a line for the pastor to pray for them. It was a line for me to pray for them. Make you feel good about yourself. But I can remember God whispering to me a, an adjustment to remember whose power it was that was upon me. And I remember ignoring that, and I remember going years without having the power, much like Samson. The scripture said the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, but then he went through a season where his consecrated life began to wane. He did not honor the, the terms of his consecration as a Nazarite, and all of a sudden his power was taken. So I want you to understand the key to the power source is God's Holy Spirit upon you. However, don't just think that that, that just means you've got it and you don't need no, you need no life of consecration. There's enough scriptures in the Bible that tells us that there are penalties in the kingdom for, for failing to honor God like Moses fell into honor God uh, before the people and he lost the right to lead the people into the promised land. You must take the way you're automating your gift or the way you're advancing the kingdom, the way you're participating with God, that you do it with some humility, you do it with some grace, and you do it with some, some carefulness. Elijah did miracles. Samuel had the Spirit upon him to judge. Also, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon somebody, they don't need you. Yeah, I say it like that. The emphasis is not you. The emphasis is him. Because remember, I just like to bring this up, the woman with the issue of blood for all those years who suffered the things at the hands of uh, the physician for many years said, if I could just touch the hem of God, I'd be made whole. And she touched him and virtue came from him. And he asked the question, who touched me? The power upon you can be accessed without you. I like the knowledge of that because it reminds me it's not about me. It's about him. Sometimes if you, if you actually see, when we get there, if you actually see and respect the gift of God that's on me, the Bible says if you give a, a, a cup of cold water to the prophet in the name of the prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. In other words, if you can honor that gift, you can get what that gift has. But if you don't honor your parents... You won't get their wisdom. I don't have any wisdom. Well, that, that, but that's not, under, that's not true. They have a gift with you as their child. Yes, they can have off things. Yes, they can say off things to you. But that doesn't disqualify the whole grace on their life to actually give you something. And you have to discern that. I love how Isaiah says it this way. He said, thus saith the Lord. This is Isaiah 44, 24. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone has stretched out the heavens and who has spread out the earth by myself. It is important that you understand that it is the Lord who has constructed you. 
who has knit you together in the womb, who has spoken comfortable words to you, who, as he says to Jeremiah, I ordained you in the womb. This has had nothing to do with your mother and father. So, so we would think sometimes everything is about genetics. Before it's genetics, it's a word from God. It's he that is in the, in the center point, holding everything by the, by the word of his power or the counsel of his will. It's, it's, it's he we want to heed. It's he that we want to hear. It is, it is he that's been making moves in our life. In the, so if it's him, then we ought to be careful about how we search for who we are. Because you can search for who you, who, you, who you want to be, who your parents want you to be, and miss who God has called you to be. Because the dominant theme of your life is, this is what I feel, this is what I think, this is, you know, what I, what I like. And while God might use some of those inclinations, they cannot be the, the true hallmark or the foundation to which you build on. They can only be clues that lead you to a permanent, aha, this is the will of God in my life. And we're going to, by the, by the time the night ends, we're going to give you some punctuated steps so that you can actually have that cemented in you. I love how Proverbs 1, 20, I'm, I'm going, I hope I'm not going too fast, but I want to cover, so I'm, I'm going to talk a little faster today. Is that okay? Y'all all right? Okay. Proverbs 1, I want you to read for your reading later, 20 through 30, but in this context, let me start with 22. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long scoffers, de- uh, uh, how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I have called, however, and you have refused to listen have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all of my counsel and will have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and calamity comes upon you like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Now that sounds depressing and that sounds bad, but why did all the terrible things come? Talk to me. We just read it. Anybody? Didn't listen. Didn't hear the reproof. He said, because if you would hear me, what do you get? What's the primary key, master key in this scripture? It's in verse 23. What's the primary key that he's trying to get to you? Yes. He's trying to pour out his spirit upon you. He's trying to activate you. He's trying to get you to participate with him, to walk with him, to meet him. But you cannot meet him, participate with him, and walk with him, and walk in your way, your parents' way, society's way at the same time. The Lord has a way. This is the way. Walk ye in it. 
He has a way that is opposite of every other way. It doesn't make sense. His math doesn't always add up, but yet it's the will of the Lord. And you and, you and I need the word that lights the way. The first thing we need to do is understand that there is something trying to prevent you from comp comprehending the, the spirit, and that is the, and this is the, the enemy. Let me prove this. On the day Jesus was baptized, the, he comes out of the water, and what happens? The spirit descends upon him like a dove, and he says, and a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hmm? Listen to him. Watch this now. And, and, but he hadn't done anything, but he's identified. He, hasn't, he hadn't started all these great things to save the world, but yet he has sanctified, he set himself apart. And now the Bible says, that, so, so you see, he was born with the spirit without measure. He was anointed with the spirit of power. The spirit is confirming a moment of, of his calling. And the first thing the Bible says, when he's full of the spirit, he's led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil to try the word that's in him. Sometimes we don't participate in what the Lord has. It's not because the spirit hadn't been poured out. It's not because the spirit's not available. It's not because you hadn't had a moment where you spoke in tongues or you done something uh, temporary. You forgot that when you get filled with the spirit, there's a battle you still have to fight. And he fought that battle by going back to the beginning of consecration. What did he do? He fasted 40 days and nights. That's how he fasted. This is how he began to defeat the enemy so he can participate in the calling that he was given. It was back to consecration. You mean to tell me it's back to the beginning of prayer. It's back to the beginning of fasting. Back to the beginning of, of reading his word, uh, re reciting his word, remembering his word, choosing his way. You never get out of this when you're in this office. He is going to fight you. People don't know their identity because they don't know that they're in a fight for it. So it's just, I call it the, the can I, can I, I it's an analogy that comes to me, so I just want to give the one that came to me. I'm not going to go and do one for men, but one came for me for women, okay? So it's this identity of the sexy spirit that's out there. I'm sexy. See me. And it invites you to take on the, the, the thing that says, hey, hey, look at this part of me. And because sometimes we choose that, then, then they can't see, you can't see your gift. And, and God can say, you know, men may take on a, a, a false identity of, of, of what masculinity means. It means, you know, bucking up and, and instead of meaning service and servitude and humility so that God can exalt. So if you and I take on these identities and we practice more of these identities and we want to live according to how, how, how the world says beauty is, how the world says masculinity is, or how the world says, then, then you're going to forfeit the identities. What is it? Uh, what did uh, Jonah say? They... They that observe lying vanities. No, that's not the scripture. That forsake their own mercy. I, I know that scripture. That's in Jonah. Somebody just look it up for fun later. But I just, it is, I think they're that forsake their own vanities. See, I know that's, that's in the Bible. I don't care. I don't care what nobody says in the Bible. Somebody need to yell that out. Okay, 
So, why does this thing, baby, I got your iPad. It, it, it just, it, it times out so fast. It's just a white, see, the man shouldn't preach with a rose color um, <laughs> iPad. That's messing me up. I should have let you. Anyway, he says, when the Spirit of the Lord is on you, he said, hey, you can call me. You can, you can call me, I'll answer you. I'm going to show you stuff. You need God upon you. You know, I wasn't going to do this part yet. But I'm going to skip to the end to do something I think that will help you apply now. Let me, let me give you three or four quick things that I'm not going to teach. You'll have to come back in the Wednesdays in the new year and I can teach on these things. But when, if you want the Spirit of the Lord upon you, this is how you get it. It's through prayer. Luke, somebody read Luke, I'm gonna just do this real quick. Just read only Luke 11, nine. Start at the ninth verse for me. But while he's getting that, Jeremiah 33.3 says, if you want to know who you are, if you want to know whose you are, if you want to have a clear definition on your assignment and you don't want to take the, the assignment of the enemy, remember, God had identified Jesus as my beloved son whom we're well pleased and then I want you to listen to him. Now, when he comes out of the wilderness, the Bible says he began to preach the kingdom and he always preached the kingdom. But before that, the enemy was offering him kingdoms. The enemy was offering him every other thing except the will of God. There's something that you're going to be solicited to participate in to help you avoid that. So what are you going to have to do? Go back to consecration and, and prayer. Prayer is communion, communication with God. What does it say? Luke uh, 11, starting ninth verse. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks A few people finds. who ask they can receive. A few of them can. Y'all would have said just a few? Everyone. Everyone? Most so people. So everyone most people. what? Just most people. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, keep reading. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. This is continuous, by the way. He said everyone, the King James said everyone that asketh, everyone that continues in the behavior of asking, Everyone that keeps on seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking. Everyone that knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks, you always find. So if that's the truth and it's not a lie, how can we be without answers all the time? How is it that everyone says, I don't know. I ain't sure. Dave and I, we had a, a challenge. It's our practice as partners together in ministry. If we don't know something, we do what? We stop and ask the boss. We're in the car together. We was confused about something to do. Somebody, one of us had the broad idea. Let's ask our boss. Let's bow our heads and pray. And say, you get something. I got this. Okay, that's what the Lord, the Lord, you move on. This is how you live your life. However, the only thing that could give us confidence to live that way is living that way every day. Because then you can't discern his voice if it's only sometime. He says, oh, the other thing, so one is pray. This is how you get the Spirit of the Lord on you. You add, Oh, you didn't read that down that far. Good, keep going. What father among you, verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, 
will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if the Holy Spirit's job is to lead you and guide you to all truth, to empower you, to make sure you're equipped, uh, to make sure you're participating in the right thing, partnering with God in the right way. And all it really takes to be full of his Holy Spirit, led of his Holy Spirit, directed by his Holy Spirit, is asking and asking and asking. Then being without clarity and direction as to what you should do with your life on a daily basis or in an overall basis is, is, is not what you've inherited from him, but what you've inherited from the spirit of the world who wants to bring you confusion. God is not the author of confusion. He is not leading you into a confusing place. That doesn't mean that you don't have to struggle to that place. That doesn't mean answers don't get held up. That means you keep going to the place of consecration until you get clarity. I'm gonna just, I'll, I'll just come back to that part because maybe that's all I wanted to say uh, right there. So as we, if we go now, if this is true, First, let's, let's read our, our initiating text, which is 1 Peter 4. Uh, Dave, just read it, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop, because we need to read 4, 7 through 11. Just read that into our hearing. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Stop, so you can see the first context of this. Day's getting bad. There's a way, there's a disposition we need to have. This is the marks of a sanctified life, a consecrated life. Read. As each has received a gift, use it. To serve one another. As you, if you are consecrated, then you've been seeking God. You've been asking God, and he's been answering. He said, you can't ask God for a fish and get a, uh, a serpent. You can't ask God for bread and get a stone. How much more if you ask him, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit He's going to give you the spirit that David had when he took on the bear, when he took on the Goliath, when he took on uh, the lion, when he was turned into another man. The same spirit that Saul had, and even in his insecurity and fear, was able to prophesy with the prophets and lead a nation. The spirit of the Lord is the difference maker when you're going to do things for God. He told even the apostles that I know you've had me and you've had a lot of mighty works, but go. I want you to go be my witnesses, but I want you to do it after you go wait until you receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're trying to do life without God, the Holy Spirit. And how can you participate without his spirit? You've got to be full of his spirit so you can be led of his spirit to where you want to go. Not only was Jesus full of his spirit and led of his spirit, he defeated the enemy by being full of the spirit. And then he walked in his call. 
He began to preach full of the Spirit, heal full of the Spirit. He began to leave his, his, his way of doing business. He was, he was trained as a carpenter, and he started being an itinerant minister, living by faith. See, so it's not trying to figure out if you have enough to answer the call. It's trying to figure out if you've got the Spirit that is calling. Keep reading, sir. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what your gift is. It's all from God, for God, through God, to get God glory. It's not to give me glory. I'm the in, most inconsequential person in the room. The, the person that should have preeminence is Jesus. We have so man-centered that we see the anointing on man and we begin to praise the man and not the God that is supporting the man. And as we said on Sunday about get that, Debbie Zadis said, get that glory off of you. He, you know, Debbie, your dad said three things made a whining a whining. Because it's on our first family reunion t-shirt. He says, holiness, which is consecration. He said, the anointing will remain on this family as long as they stay consecrated to, to God. Said music is our assigned, anointed assignment, evangelistic assignment. It's music in his family. This is what they inherited. So who therefore reminds you of this? Who keeps you focused on this? And this is how the church functions. I just wish I had time to go through Ephesians 1 and one through eight, I don't. So just go ahead and skip down to the ninth verse, Dave. Ephesians chapter one, verse nine. Yes. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. No, not Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4 gotcha. and 9. But that was a beautiful verse. We all enjoyed that. It was. Let's just thank the Lord for that little extra blessing he gave us. Ephesians 4, verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And here we go. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so here it is. He gave gifts. So there's three gifts I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about ministry gifts, motivational gifts, and manifestation gifts. 
the ministry gifts are men or from mankind. It can be women as well. They're ministry gifts. He gave them. The apostle isn't a gift to you to equip you. The pastor is a gift to you to equip you. The teacher is a gift to you. The evangelist is a gift to you. And I know some people say that the teacher and the pastor is really conflated as the same thing. Whatever the thing, the, the people who serve in full-time ministry for the church are gifts to you to equip you to do your spirit-inspired, spirit-led ministry. The apostle is simply a sent one. Some believe that that ministry gift is kind of passed away with the original uh, uh, apostle. Some think it still exists. Well, we know none of them. Is Paul was an eyewitness uh, to Jesus. He had special revelation, and that's one of the special distinctions. But these apostles mean sent ones. They're sent. Well, I'm an apostle, but you, you never go anywhere. <laughs> I'm an apostle. All right, a governor's gift. I mean, that's too, you got to go. Pastor Rice is not leading this church right now because he is apostolic and he is always gone. Like always. And he's always reaching people. And always gonna, but, but he's not just apostolic, he's evangelistic. What does evangelist do? Always want to lead somebody to the Lord and always want to show you how to lead somebody to the Lord. Because it, when you're around evangelists, you know what they do? They don't just tell you the story about them leading somebody to the Lord. They kind of say, you could do that? You're thinking, no, I can't do what you just did. And they say, yeah, yes, you can. They say, yes, you can. And they want to show you how. Isn't that powerful? That's why Pastor Rice is an equipping evangelist. He doesn't just tell you to, to preach the gospel. He tells you what the gospel is. He tells you how to communicate the gospel. He tells you how to reach lost people. He tells you not, how not to be weird. Kind of gives you good apologetics. Those are the evangelists. They do that. The prophets. You need the prophets. The Bible said the, the church is established on the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ being the key cornerstone. They establish the churches and they put the elders in and it's all good and stuff like that. But guess what? You need those prophets who are going to foretell and foretell. They're going to, they're going to speak prophetically. In your life. And you need the prophetic word so that when, when it actually comes to pass in your life, it, it builds your faith. It can build faith. Okay? So we need these gifts. Let's go on to the manifestation gifts. Go on to 1 Corinthians 12. The spirit upon people allows them to walk in their ministry office. When I try to walk in my office, my gift and my calling is without repentance. But remember I told you, the more that you do things in an office outside of the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit, that grace begins to wane. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a Samson situation where you get so far from consecration that you begin to break every vow and the grace lifts off your life. Manifestation gifts. Ready? Read. Verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but of the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. God is basically saying, hey, look, Spirit, the, the gifts work through the Spirit. They work differently through different people. But it's me at work in those people. Sometimes we tend as humans to say that's the most anointed person because they did powerful movements. 
That's the most anointed person because they're, they weep. That's the most anointed people, person because they fall down. I, I'm telling you, I have been, uh, I've been in meetings with Shambach. Y'all probably don't even know who Shambach is and seeing him do, I mean, he loud. But you get healed, you get, you get, you know, or free, you know, and then Harry Gomes would come here to minister, and I don't be understanding everything he say because he's from India, and it, it just don't be clear. But then, but people get healed, and he do stuff that's you know awkward too, because he, he like that. Remember that guy that, that stuttered, and he told him to open his mouth, and he whipped in there and grabbed his tongue. I said, man, this is a tough way to get a miracle. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't want nobody to touch my tongue. I just, I mean, I don't. I mean, can't you just speak the word? But that's not how it worked in him. He could, I guess somebody else's, I seen Shambach speak and, and say, you're not gonna stutter no more. And then people, bam, they don't stutter. But then he, he got a grab tongue spirit. He just gonna grab your tongue. He reached in there and grabbed that man's tongue and he would, he, he would touch. He started speaking so clear right here on the Bethel stage. I'm just telling you, it's, just, it's God at work. Read. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Here is the secret. Remember the verse we read in 1 Peter. He said, having a gift, employ it for the benefit of others. Steward it for the benefit of others. He said, the Spirit's manifestation upon you is for the benefit of others. So the best way to get your gift in operation is not for you to sit somewhere and feel all powerful and good because you heard God or you did some powerful stuff. It's to think about what others need and give it to them. Your gift is not meant for you. It's meant for those around you, and their gift is meant for you. So guess what? You might be benefiting from the gift of God that's on my life right now, but I will benefit when I'm done getting on this stage and I'm going through struggles or hard times or I need little understandings here. It's in this room. It's in this house. It's in the people around you. So when you're a life group leader, for instance, and you're the life group leader and you're, you're leading the life group and you got a co-leader, that doesn't mean you the, you the leader and you the co-leader have everything that's needed for the room. What you've got to do is equip people to have the confidence that the Spirit of God upon them that may minister just a little bit different is still powerful, still effective, still important because we want them out of your group, doing their own group, feeling the confidence to be who God called them to be. All right, reader. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another... On the you little, you little, love you. For to one is given through the spirit of utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as, as he, he wills. wills. It's for the common good and it's poured out as he wills. Well, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do a miracle. I wanna, I, I'm a miracle worker. A miracle is the divine interruption of the natural order of things. I wanna do a miracle. I'm believing God for miracles. I've seen people do it. I've been praying for miracles. The Lord just won't give me miracles. Well, it's called a manifestation gift. The manifestation gifts work as he will. Now, the gifts of people, the, the apostolic, they've already been released to act 
apostolically, prophetically. It's just natural. It's flowing out of them constantly. Well, I just want some miracles. Well, you, he said, if you don't pray in, he said, if you don't, if you don't pray in tongues, you can pray and ask to speak in tongues. If you don't interpret, he said, pray that you may interpret. It's not that it's not possible, but it's as he wills. It's as he wills. There's, there's people who get filled with spirit and they start speaking in tongues and stuff. For a long time, people, people 10 years later, man, I, that just happened to me. I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you, I, I, I'm not God. He's God. He gets to do it as he wills. I, I think this is an important part to stop on so we can stop thinking that we're in more control than we are. There is a sovereign God that we serve. And what our job is to do is to consecrate long enough to catch what he's doing. Even Jesus did that. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I'm in partnership with his spirit. And, and when he fought the devil, he said, no, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. I don't have time to go through all those gifts. You can look at them later. Finally, the motivational gifts, because I want Pastor Dave to end with giving us some great instruction on how we can automate these things in our life. Read a... Uh, uh, Just start at the first verse to the eighth verse, and I'll try not to interrupt you. Oh, I didn't tell you where? You don't have a prophetic gift, do you? Okay, here you go. <laughs> Romans 12, 12 verse 1. <laughs> I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to know what my will, the will of God is. I want to know what my purpose is. I want to know what my, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed. Here, here's how you get it. By the renewing of your mind, by the word of God, by the word of God, that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. It's different administrations of the Spirit. Some of you, he's, he's using circumstances to lead you into his will. Some of you, he's using a still, still small voice to lead you in, in, into his will. Some of you, he's giving you dreams and visions to lead you into his will. But it's no way that you can keep presenting yourself to God and he's not going to lead you into his will. Because everyone that knocks and keeps on knocking, everyone that asks and keeps on asking, everyone that seeks and keeps on seeking, they find. Keep reading. But just for time, why don't you skip down? Yep, for verse 4. Yeah. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. Stop. We're, we're all, this is about the motivation gifts. These are the things that you're more uh, naturally inclined to be by divine order, divine right. And so he's saying, if you have a prophetic gift, don't feel like you have to be Jim LaFoon. You see me, you get laying on the hands and say, you have the, the gift of prophecy and, 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 and it's good. And you, you think right away, well, I'm not going to prophesy because I'm not going to say dates and times like Pastor Jim. That's just not your level of faith. Your level of faith might simply be, I see a flower. 
Now, the person you're saying that to want to say, what else do you see? That's it. If y'all, you guys are flowers, there's a flower. Let somebody else deal with that. I got a flower going on. That's it. Flowers. That's it. Don't add. I know it's going to be a temptation to just start adding stuff like flowers. Well, it's got to be more than flowers. So, you know, then you just start seeing stuff on your own. No, all you got was a flower. Let your, <laughs> just your proportion of faith. That's the level of a word you have. You want more, you want your gift to manifest in a greater way, more consecration. Read. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Ministry gifts. Manifestation gifts. Motivation gifts. I didn't really teach on it tonight. This was more of an overview. You got to come back in the new year for the depth, in-depth version of each one of these things that is its own world. But the theme you see is all initiated by the Spirit of God, not you. You want to participate in, you want to see the world change? Dave, you can come join me on the stage. Here's, here's the word, uh, look up Isaiah 59 as well while you, while you come in and then you can, you can take over from me. You need uh, Isaiah 59. God told me, you'll hear me talking about it in the new year, about Isaiah 61. That's just like Jesus said, the anointing is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. He's anointed me to heal the sick, you know, to preach glad tidings. This is what's on you as a church. Uh, read Isaiah 59, go down to, I think, I think, the 12th verse. Here's the word of the Lord to you. school. I like to read it right out of my Bible. 58. Go 58. 58 what? 12. We're just going to grab that wherever that is. 58, 12. Uh-huh. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. Uh-huh. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. That's what you would do. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure. No, no, no. That's pleasure, all I wanted. You're the repairer. You're the restorer. God wants to use you. All of this is about fasting and consecration. You're going to participate with God the most if you stay in that place where you're available to him. Consecration makes you keenly aware of God. Don't you do that. Pastor Dave and I prayed through a few steps that he'll end where you need to write each one of these down so that you can automate this in your life. So we've been talking these three weeks about consecration impartation and participation that's, if you didn't catch that structure I just want to give that to you that one more time because sometimes things fly by and we think you're catching them but you may not have consecration then impartation then participation so we consecrate ourselves we set ourselves aside then God gives something to us usually through another believer so that it's not an arrogant moment 
and then we have to participate in that. Here's some practical steps, just really simple, really simple. Can we just bring this down? Can you put the cookies all the way on the bottom shelf where I can reach them because I want a cookie, but I can't reach up that high? Sometimes I feel that way, right? You know, just, can you get it right down there? You put the crumble cookie down low, please. Can I, get a, can I get a low who will celebrate putting the cookies low? Come on. Okay, so here they are. Practical ways to activate your gifts. Just real practical. And they're going to start from the simplest to the more difficult. First, pray with your household out loud. Remember, it's consecration. We're setting ourselves aside. But sometimes we can do that individually and not realize that there are people in our household that don't know how to do it as well. And our household as a whole is not consecrated, even if we as an individual are. And one of the best places to begin to activate our spiritual gifts is in the house in which we live. Now, if we have a family, with our family. If we have roommates, with our roommates. If we have people who share the home with us, with the people who share our home, let's pray out loud with them. Why? That makes us articulate our faith makes us speak out loud what's internal, helps us practice doing that, but it also models for them to do the same. In that moment, we're consecrating, but we're also beginning to participate. So it's very simple. Anybody can do this. Pray out loud. Now, you may stumble and you may fumble and you may not have the most eloquent rhetorical prayer. Who cares? Pray from the heart. And those things will come after. Just pray out loud. Two, pray for someone you just met. Now we're going to see, we're going to see how we just took another step forward. Wherever you are, take a step farther than you can see. You say, I don't know if I can pray out loud in my family. For some people, it's a very private thing. They've never heard of prayer being anything other than a quiet, silent thing with hands folded by the bed. Nobody hears it. Well, if that's you, take that step forward and pray out loud together. But you might, if that's old hat to you, pray out loud with someone you just met. Most people are actually very open to prayer. Rich, who helps with lead our security, was, we were just talking about this out there in the lobby this, uh, tonight. When you, can, you meet with a gang member and ask if you can pray with the gang member, and if the gang, often the gang member will let you pray for them, even if they won't, won't let you share the gospel, but you can pray for them. But if they say no to that, you can say, can I pray for your kids? Oh, sure, come pray for the kids. Bring the kids in here. And then all of a sudden you're praying for them and the kids. There's a way in often with prayer. People will allow you to speak out of your faith, even if they don't for themselves have faith themselves. So you're having a conversation with somebody. They share something vulnerable. You say, you know what, I'm a person of faith. And I don't know if you mind it, but I would love to pray for you about that. Can I pray? For you, you don't have to. I'll just pray. Would that be all right? And then you pray for them right there. That's one of the easiest steps forward in evangelism and activating your faith with someone else. So pray for someone you just met. Three, keep a prayer journal. Keep a prayer journal. Write down what you're praying about. And then this is just my little quick little short notes for you. What do you put in that? Well, write down what you ask God for. Then write down the actions he tells you to take. They may be very simple, tiny actions that you don't know how they're going to do anything. And then write down the answer that comes. What does he do because of what you did? Because of what he told you to do. So you ask him for something. Often he reveals something you should do. And then you watch what he accomplishes through that tiny thing that you did. I don't have time to tell you about a little tiny Weber charcoal grill and a few pieces of meat and a weekly jog that led my neighbors to Christ. But God led us to use a little tiny Weber grill and a few pieces of meat and a weekly jog, and my two neighbors that were living together uh, and had a baby together and their lives were a mess came to Christ. But it was tiny, little, tiny actions all in a prayer journal that I can go back now and look at. So keep a prayer journal. That will increase your faith. It will also hold you accountable. God told me to do this. Two months later, I haven't done it. How can I expect him to answer that prayer when I don't participate in what he's revealing to me? Keep a prayer journal. 
Four, share the gospel three times. See how we keep stepping forward, keep stepping forward, keep stepping forward into something more difficult for some of you I know. Share the gospel three times, not just once. Sometimes people share the gospel once, nothing happens, they're done. They're a one and done evangelist. Well, that didn't work, see? I'm just not an evangelist. I'm never sharing my faith again. Somebody else can do that. No, share. Try three times. Every batter gets at least three swings, okay? Every batter gets at least three swings. Foul tip, great, swing again. Go back and swing again. Uh, sometimes what you don't realize, people call it often the evangelism chain, that it needs to be at least seven links in the chain before anyone comes to Christ. You might be the third link, the fourth link, the fifth link. You've added a link. Nothing that you see happens, but you've added a link. It's often the seventh time, eighth time, tenth time, fifteenth time that someone's here, someone hears the gospel that they're finally open to it. So you just step out in faith. So when a doorway is open in a conversation, you see a spiritual connection, share your two-minute miracle. Share your testimony. Share what's different for you. Share the basic structure of the gospel. See what God might do with that. Number five, pray with others to receive their spiritual gifts. Scripture talks about praying for others and laying your hand on them and praying that they would receive a gift. If God compels you to do that or gives you an insight, step out in faith and pray for that person to receive the gift that God is telling you he wants to give them. You know, I just feel like God's asking me to pray for this for you. Would you mind? I mean, I just, I'm just, if you, can I touch your shoulder? Do you mind if I touch your shoulder? I'm just going to pray for you right now. And then you pray for them to receive that spiritual gift. It might be the very same gift you received. It may not be. I remember, by the way, when I received the spiritual gift of preaching, I really have a, a specific concrete moment when that happened. If you ever heard the first times I preached, it was horrendous. It was awful. If you think this is bad. Go back to when I first preached. It was terrible. I crumpled up piece of notebook paper, blue ink that was bleeding everywhere. Couldn't read my own writing. They gave me 30 minutes. I took 10. My tongue was stuck to the top of my mouth. My knees were quaking. Nothing made sense at all. The, the most positive thing anybody said, I walked out, an old lady of the church prayed for me every week, said, someday, someday, honey, patted my hand. Someday, don't you worry, someday, I'm praying you through, someday. But I was preaching for a campus ministry, and I'd, I'd worked, I don't know how many hours on the sermon, and I just still didn't have it. I was laying on the floor playing, praying, God, please give me a sermon. A friend of mine, Chris Laws, came in and found me, said, I thought I'd find you here. Laid his hand on my back while I was face down on the ground. Prayed for God to give me the gift, not just of a sermon, but of preaching. And the sermon assembled in my mind. Boom, 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 boom. I said, leave, get out of here. I got to say this out loud so I don't forget it. It just happened. It assembled in my mind. I couldn't believe it. And ever since then, if I'm ever stuck, get on my face. Remember that I'm dependent for that gift. And out it comes. Consecration, impartation, participation. So lay hands on others. Something happens for some reason when two, two people have faith and one person is imparting to somebody else. Pray for others to receive their spiritual gift. That's another level of you stepping forward. Number six, help lead a life group. Say, I don't know how to lead a life group. You don't have to. Go lead, the, lead it with someone. Hey, I'll host. I'll host if you need me to host. Hey, what do you need me to do? You need to open in prayer? You want me to do the warm-up moment? You want me to pray at the end? You want me to read some scriptures? How can I help? Can I cook a pie? Any way that you can help lead a life group, that gets you into understanding how it's done. And then you can watch somebody else doing it and say, oh, I see what they did there. Oh, I see how they got that person to finally shut up. Oh, thank God. I got to use that little trick. That was a good trick because that person never was going to shut up. And how they do that? That person still feels loved and they shut up. Praise God. I got to write that down. That's a nice little trick. So you watch somebody learn how to lead a life group and you work your way into it. You say, I don't know how to lead a life group. Fine. Help someone. Volunteer to help somebody. Okay. Got to move a little faster. Number seven, throw a story party. That's what I call it. 
Throw a story party, a testimony service, but you don't have to have a service. You don't have to have a church service necessarily. Invite people over to your home, say, we're going to have some food. We're just going to share our stories with each other. Half of them might be unsaved. Hey, tell me your story, Tom. And boy, your eyes go wide as you hear that story. But then somebody else is saved, and they get to share their two-minute miracle. They get to share their testimony. And there you are. You've gathered unbelievers and believers together. You know what you just created all, all sort of accidentally with just one party? A life group. You just had your first meeting and all it was was a story part. Hey, get together. We're going to have some food. We're going to share our stories. We're going to laugh at each other. We're going to play some games. Come over to my house, 7 to 9. You free Sunday night? That's your first life group meeting, perhaps. Throw a story party. Eight, start a life group for seekers. Start a life group for seekers. We want life groups that multiply evangelistically. That's what we want. If we have life groups that support each other all the way to the grave and it's the seven, same seven people forever and on, I call them a hospice group. That's fantastic. You held each other's hand all the way to when you died. That's wonderful. You had Christian community. But it is better, much better, and much more movemental if we have groups that foster an evangelistic spirit that reach the people around us who are dying. A life group, in my mind, is a lifeboat, and it should be searching for those drowning in the water. We're on a lifeboat with room left on it saying, boy, isn't this nice and cozy? Let's sing another song. Let's get our lifeboat out, life group out like a lifeboat looking for those who are drowning in the water of this world. So what's your next step? There it is, online. All of these are ways you can just scan that QR code and it will take you there to start one. It's a start one training. It's a 30-minute training that will get you started on how to start a life group. It's not impossible. It's not beyond you. It's something that you could do. If you have any level of maturity in the faith, believe me, it's possible for you. Certainly, if you've been through BSD, or if you've been through that's our Bethel School of Discipleship, or you've been through BLI, or if you've just gone through these trainings, you are ready. You just might be scared. So this is a very active way for you to participate. I want you to think about it this way, though. Which, which of those eight things should you be doing? One, two, or three of those things. Not all of them. You don't have to do all of them. Where's your level of faith? Take it one or two steps farther and stretch yourself over the holidays. Stretch yourself into January. Before you know it, you'll be doing all eight. Hold on. Okay, so take, I don't, I don't want you to miss a moment because I haven't seen everybody take out their phone yet. Take out your phone. We're all signing up right now. You need, will it also give them access to that slide or they need that, they need that slide again to take a picture of it? Take a picture of that slide maybe on this screen because we need to pay for a new uh, screen. That screen is jacked up. So take a picture of that so you can, everybody just pull your phone out. I'm gonna add a step, Dave. You did, this is awesome. But I think one of the things that I learned that cements it in you, if you go teach this or say this to somebody else, as soon as you can within the next 24 to 48 hours. Could just be a kid in your home, just anything, just say it, just call your mom, call anybody, and just say this out loud, two of them. Stand to your feet. We wanna pray for you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you Been a good day, but you need to lock in with him. Ask him to cement this in your heart. Holy Spirit, Jesus. 
Just lift your hands. I want him to submit this in you. Just keep worshiping, but I'm going to tell you what you need to ask the Lord. Help me stay consistent with my consecration life to you. I can't do it without your help. Help me to constantly acknowledge that I have received an impartation from you. And I have the responsibility to fan my gift into flame. Give us to take the simple steps to participate with you are doing Holy Spirit. Whether it's the practical steps our church have laid out, or whether it's a specific step. Now I'm literally gonna not say anything on the mic you don't have to sing the song. You let her sing. But just take a moment and speak to the Lord. We cry, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. Oh, ready to leave I want you to know the Holy Spirit is not through with you some of you he's going to begin to speak to you tonight submit things in your heart this was meant to be preparatory for the time of consecration in January God has given you a head start there will be a laying on the hands moment in January there's going to be more impartation in January there's going to be more prophecy over your life you need to get your life prepared to hear and receive more. Glenn, you are, I just got to say to the Lord, I just looked at you and God said, just make Glenn, sure Glenn knows he's called. You are called. You're not maybe called. You're called. But clarity of your assignment as you transition in January, get more clarity. Where is it? There's some of you, we don't use the term a lot around here with elders, but God is just saying, James, we're going to raise up some elders. And some, some of you in this room are going to, when we figure out the system, how we do that, you, you're going you're gonna to graduate to that. This is what the Spirit is 
is just leading me to say, some of you with that mighty gift of prophecy are going to be using it. 2022, you're going to be unleashed. Why? Because you know how to stay consecrated. You know how to receive your impartation from the Holy Spirit and then fan it into flame and activate it. Lord, I pray for all of us. We would stay desperate for you. We would stay hungry for you. We would stay seeking you and pursuing you. And you would stay filling us. We are desperate for your filling. We are desperate for your outpouring. We're desperate for your breakthrough. God, if you don't go, how can we go? If you don't come, if you don't reveal, what will we know? What will we do? God, we so desperately need you. Will you make sure everyone in this church is clarity on who they are, whose they are, and what they're assigned to do, what their gift is. May we move powerfully from one year to the next year. May we grow to our full potential may we realize what harvest time is may we stretch out to the left and to the right may we see more disciples raised up than this next year than ever before where we see life groups that multiply evangelistically God will you give this church a breakthrough give people the financial breakthrough they need give them favor they need give them the healing they need give them the empowerment they need give them the deliverance that they need give them what they need that they might please you hallelujah Praise in here. We're desperate. One more time. Come on. Desperate. desperate.